Hello, and welcome back to the Rebuild SoCal Zone. I'm John Switalski, your host for today's episode. Our guest for this week's episode is Councilwoman Lindsay Horvath, who currently sits on the West Hollywood City Council, being first elected on March 3rd, 2015. Councilwoman Horvath is currently running for L.A. County Supervisor in District 3, which covers much of the San Fernando Valley and the west side of L.A. Councilwoman, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's a real great opportunity to share your thoughts and ideas with our audience where you stand on some really important issues. What I'd like to do is just start with you. Can you share with us a little about yourself, your background, your public service to date on the West Hollywood City Council, and really why you're running for county supervisor? Absolutely. Uh, And thank you for the opportunity. I'm very excited to have this conversation today. Working at the local level as a council member, a mayor, and before that, an appointed official in our city. I've been working in West Hollywood for about 15 years now. And it's very exciting to have this opportunity to run for LA County Supervisor. People have very little idea of the importance of this role. And yet the county is really the social safety net for those of us who are, you know, working class folks trying to make it work and to make ends meet in this incredibly challenging and difficult time. And I I served as mayor uh, during COVID. My uh, colleagues extended my term. I also served as president of California Contract Cities Association during that time. So I saw firsthand both from my local community from all of the cities who contract for service with LA County, also serving on the board of the Clean Power Alliance, which is the county's new energy utility and leadership of organizations like the state and national league of cities and women in municipal government for our entire country. I've seen what it means at the local level uh, when you're in a time of crisis and people are turning to count on you to deliver solutions for them. And it's really that experience in a time of crisis here in LA County where I saw where the county met the moment and where they didn't and where those gaps existed even before COVID between the county government and our local governments, our local neighborhoods, where those services are supposed to meet people. And ranging from issues to homelessness and housing, how we keep our community safe and what that looks like, how we get people back to work and good jobs so that afford themselves and their families a good quality of life, building out our regional transportation infrastructure, which I know we're going to talk about uh, today, and of course, the existential threat of climate change. These are among uh, the chief issues that got me into this race. And then on top of that, as we've seen with the recent Supreme Court decision, repealing Roe v. Wade and the impact that that will have on us in L.A. County when L.A. County is our social safety net healthcare provider for the region. We know that's going to impact not just residents of Los Angeles, but everybody who comes to Los Angeles to get those services and care. And making sure that LA County is able to deliver for our residents, is able to deliver for the people who need help the most is what I'm most excited about in running in this race. I've had experience working at the local level, delivering solutions uh, and working and bringing people together in a broad, diverse coalition. I work in a nonpartisan space, so I'm used to working with everybody and bringing all different kinds of ideas to the table to solve problems. 
My community was one that led an increase in our minimum wage while we were also rated the most business-friendly city in the county during my leadership. And so, you know, how we make our economy work for everyone, how we get people, as I mentioned earlier, back to work in good jobs and have the ability to take care of themselves and their families. All of that is incredibly important, I think, to all of the people who are looking at this next election cycle and what it means for them. And uh, that's why I'm running, you know, I'm a renter as well and rent stabilized housing. So as we look at the housing challenges, the affordability crisis that we're in, you know, there's a lot of my lived experience and the lived experience of the coalition that I've built that I really wish to bring to the table in that boardroom while we're making those decisions. Well, you've just detailed a litany of issues that you have faced, and certainly that set of issues will expand significantly if you are elected to serve on the county board. You're going to be representing a a lot of folks facing a lot of challenges. And so thank you for capturing kind of the breadth of that responsibility. I want to focus in, though, on transportation first. Okay. As a county supervisor, you'll have a great deal of say. When it comes to LA Metro, a countywide agency who has billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars in capital expenditure plans on the heels of Measure M and the forerunner to that, Measure R, there are a lot of projects. There's a lot to talk about. But as it pertains to Supervisorial District 3, the Valley, the West Side, what are you looking at as it pertains to those Measure M projects? Yeah, well, I was a very outspoken advocate of Measure M. And prior to my service on the council, I was a transportation commissioner. So I love to talk about transportation, transportation infrastructure, and um, the relationship between how we invest in transportation solutions and the impacts on our environment, our quality of life, uh, livability in our communities, you name it. And so I'm very excited to realize the promises of measures R and M. It's not enough that we are uh, collecting money through Measure M. If we don't build it, uh, then it means nothing. And it's important for the jobs that people are counting on. It's important for the transit systems that people are hopeful to gain in their neighborhoods and benefit from. And it's important for all of the reasons I just mentioned in terms of the compounded benefits when we invest in transportation solutions. I'm proud to be endorsed by organizations like Streets for All, who are really looking at the cutting edge of uh, transportation solutions and making sure that we are investing in infrastructure like bike lanes as well to provide for alternative modes of transportation. But I'm especially excited. I've been working for a long time on the Crenshaw Northern Extension. I've personally attended over 300 meetings on this project ranging from the South Bay all the way up to the Valley, hearing folks in their neighborhoods, in their communities, what their concerns and interests are. And I think it's really that grassroots approach to problem solving that I bring to the table that's different from my opponent, but it's also different in terms of uh, the experience that I bring to the table. The Crenshaw Northern Extension project has taught me a lot about how Metro works. I have built relationships with folks around the horseshoe and in the building with whom I will be serving when I'm a Metro board member. And so knowing how 
they think and how they work and how we can effectively accelerate projects to get people working and get these projects done uh, so people can benefit from these transportation solutions um, is very important to me. And working together with each community allowed us to identify what concerns existed, what opportunities existed for us uh, in terms of routing the alignment to increase our ridership. This alignment, uh, once it is constructed, will have the highest ridership of any light rail line in the country. So that's by design. We want to make sure people will ride it um, at once it's built and accessible and that it goes to the places that people want to go. And because of this community effort, my personal engagement and our active engagement with all communities who will be served, we now have a locally preferred route that um, has been agreed upon by various community leaders to make sure that we're actually serving the needs that people have identified through that process. And so I'm excited about the progress of that project. I'm excited about bringing that same process to the Sepulveda Pass Corridor project. Right now, there are a range of options that have people very severely divided and people who are seeking answers to very important and meaningful questions for their neighborhoods and their communities, they need to get those answers in order to be able to uh, engage with Metro and make sure that the alignment that is ultimately constructed serves the people it's intended to serve. And so I'm excited to bring the successful experience I've had with Crenshaw North uh, to benefit communities who are intended to be served by the Sepulveda Pass and make sure that we are meeting people where they are with transportation solutions. It's not enough just to construct the alignment, which is typically what Metro does. But coming from my local government perspective and working with, for example, cities in the West Side COG, our local council of governments who uh, benefited from the Expo line, they have also helped me understand what Metro does and where uh, local governments have to pick up the slack and what neighborhoods can expect when something is constructed. So, you know, oftentimes in these presentations, there'll be lots of pretty pictures about what, um, what a station might look like in a community. But a lot of, you know, that greenery, the shading, and some of those, not just beautification, but essential elements to those stations and those stops are expected to be in part or in whole provided by the local governments or neighborhoods that are being served. So we got to get really clear in answering people's questions and making sure that these alignments get people to the destinations that they're looking to go to, and that we actually get moving on constructing something that is going to solve what the problems that people are experiencing on our roads already. And so those are two of the big projects that I'm very excited about, but making sure that, you know, the daily commutes that people are having already on bus lines and transportation lines that exist, that people feel safe, that we increase our ridership and that we uh, improve the ridership experience. So people come back onto our transportation systems is, is very important to me. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for highlighting those two really impactful, enormous uh, projects. And, you know, from our perspective, we want to be partners in getting those projects aligned, uh, getting the community support needed because we want to build those as fast as we can. We understand the challenges in LA County. And I want to just dig into that a little bit, the, the different types of projects or, or category of projects, if you will, that Metro has put out. So the bulk of Measure M funds, the bulk of transportation funds that Metro puts out really is capital funds are on building transit. But there are billions of dollars for streets and roads, some new, some expansion, some safety enhancements. 
But council member, there are voices out there that would say, don't build another road. Don't increase another lane, whether it's going to be for capacity or safety. Don't put another nickel into roads or streets. Put it all into transit because it's not enough just to decarbonize our infrastructure, but we need to reduce the amount of vehicle miles traveled. And so I want to get a sense of your prioritization. And before I do that, perhaps I should just tell you where our organization is. We believe that the prioritization that Metro has is about the right balance. There are certainly enormous needs in LA County that we must meet by investing in transit. But there are parts of LA County that will never be served by transit. There are parts of LA County where people commute via vehicle in really long, long distances in roads that have been underinvested in. And I don't know if this is a real term or not, but I'd like to say there should be something as commuter equity. And if you don't have access to transit, should your roads be underinvested in? Shouldn't you have the same access to commute from, say, Lancaster to Santa Clarita as someone commuting from downtown to Santa Monica or or vice versa. And so I kind of want to get your sense on how you're balancing the calls for kind of an ideological approach rather than approach that we believe uh, Metro has struck appropriately. I would like to see us, you know, certainly advance transit projects. I think that, as I mentioned earlier, that these projects will have the benefit not only of getting people to work, um, not only getting people to health centers and um, entertainment destinations to which they'll be connected, but they also will help to uh, improve the environment by reducing CO2 emissions. Uh, they'll help with quality of life and livability by connecting transportation infrastructure to housing, hopefully, and creating transit-oriented development that helps uh, communities be more livable. But I do understand that there will be some cases in which uh, there need to be investments made in roads that for which Metro is responsible. You know, a lot of our, our local roads are the responsibility of our uh, local communities and, and local government. Mm -hmm. And so working in partnership with Metro um, from the local government perspective is something that I'm eager to do as a board member with the cities um, and the neighborhoods I will represent. But making sure that we are thinking about how we move people most effectively throughout the region and with an understanding of the impact on our environment, um, I think is very important. And I recognize that there will be projects that are street projects that Metro will need to invest in in order to accomplish the goals that have been identified. My hope is that we're not focusing on expanding freeways especially. I just don't think that's going to solve our problems in the future. And we've certainly heard those conversations already at the Metro board uh, from folks. But I do think that, as I said, there are projects that have been identified as priority in communities, and we have to work with communities to make sure that we're delivering the solutions they need. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing your perspective, your very thoughtful perspective on that. We certainly appreciate that. I know our listening audience does as well. These issues are complicated and they're not just necessarily solved with a one-size-fits-all purpose aimed at one specific 
solution. So that nuance is really encouraging. So we appreciate that. I'd like to move on to the issue of water. Uh, It's not just one issue, as you uh, know better than I. It's so many different issues. And water really is coming under uh, such tremendous strain, not just because uh, how hot it is outside this week, but because of climate and the growing pressures on the Colorado River, the state water project, etc., Can you share with us how you are thinking about the challenge of bringing, providing, supporting good, clean, safe water to L.A. County, to Southern California, to West Hollywood, to Supervisorial District 3? Sure. So I know that the county, again, recently passed Measure W, identifying the watershed groups and prioritized projects for Measure W to start to address some of the water challenges that we have been experiencing throughout the region. And I was a supporter of that measure and certainly believe that one of the first things we need to do is get money from Measure W invested in educating our local communities about what the these projects are and the importance that they will bring to each of our neighborhoods as it relates to water impacts. But we also have to look at water recycling and diversion and storage opportunities as well and collaborate on alternatives with local jurisdictions by bringing communities and cities to the table. I recently met with folks from the Las Virginis Water District and talked with them about the unique challenges that are being experienced in the, in the West Valley in particular and how their water district is served is different than their neighboring community of Malibu and the unincorporated area of Malibu. And those two authorities are giving two different directives to communities that are experiencing many of the same challenges because the source of their water comes from two different places. And so finding how we can you know, unify regions, provide regional solutions, and help people who are experiencing unique challenges, especially you know the fires that have been ravaging those areas, we need to make sure that we are helping communities succeed in water conservation, uh, implement effective recycling systems, and really understanding their role in helping to make sure we have water for our future. And so I'm, I'm very excited to already be engaged with local cities and these water entities in solutions because you know people talk about the issue of drought as if now we're in a time of drought i think we're kind of past that we're just permanently in a mm-hmm. drought and it's no mm-hmm. longer a season it's now our reality and we have to get serious about the solutions that we're looking at yeah agreed our policy has been our position has been is that we can't conserve our way out of this permanent drought. We just cannot do that alone and that we must invest in the resiliency. We must invest in finding new sources of water. And so I was hoping you could talk about recycled water, the the opportunities that that presents, as well as uh, desalination as well. My understanding is very early on, uh, there was sort of a public pushback to the idea of recycled water. But I think we now understand um, with the technology that has advanced and made different solutions possible, you know, that recycled water is going to be an excellent alternative for us uh, in so many ways and enhance water availability in addition to our conservation efforts. And there are some of the local water districts 
districts have already been exploring water technology. I know that, for example, the Beverly Hills Water District has an MOU with the state of Israel on water uh, innovation that they've been developing. And so bringing, you know, different technology and ways to solve these problems, um, working collaboratively um, is something that, uh, you know, I'm very interested in. Um, I also, for a while, lived in the city of Los Vegas. The mayor there was my guidance counselor in high school, actually. And so I've talked with with them about the water challenges that the Las Vegas area has experienced and what um, innovations and technology they have been exploring, um, because we've certainly seen, you know, the drastic measures that they've already taken to address their water concerns. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think we need to learn from each other. We need to uh, work collaboratively and develop partnerships and make sure that we are implementing best practices that acknowledge 21st century solutions that are available to help us recycle our water. Yeah, thank you for that. I mean, it's such a huge issue. I think the collaboration and bringing folks together, looking to new technologies is is critical and it's going to take every stakeholder. It's going to take every public policymaker, key decision maker like yourself um, really working together because if not, it's just too big of a problem. It's such a challenge that we're going to be facing for decades in the future. And so to that and Councilmember, I'd like to make a plea, and as my mother would say, put a B in your bonnet, if I may, <laughs> because you mentioned Measure W, passed in 2018, which Supervisor Kuehl, who I know is a supporter of, of yours, was so instrumental in getting passed. Since then, though, the stakeholders that we work with are really frustrated that we haven't seen a lot of shovels in the ground. We yep. haven't seen the projects really get pushed out of county public works out of, you know, and then their partnership with other cities. So, you know, that's not your uh, responsibility, of of course, but I just want to say if if you're successful at the ballot box um, this fall, we would just encourage you to take a deep look into the challenges with that program and, you know, is it really living up to what voters expected in 2018? That's my rhetorical question. Absolutely. I think it's a great question. I know it's rhetorical, but I will just say I, I would agree that we there's certainly much work that needs to be done in terms of shovels in the ground and actually building out the infrastructure that's intended. And I'm particularly eager to address that challenge, um, both for water and for transportation, because I think, you know, this board has done a great job of moving forward these ballot measures to make sure funding is available. But now it's time to actually turn that money into the infrastructure that people uh, wanted to see. That's why they voted for these ballot measures. And, you know, my experience working at the local level and actually having to make use of the dollars, you know, my experience in government hasn't just been throwing money at problems. It's been about how do we turn that money into solutions and how do we invest in the right kinds of projects, the ones that people have hoped for. And that's why they've voted on these ballot measures and and passed them. That's what people are counting on us to do. And I will be eager to do that. Thank you. We appreciate that support. And then finally, I just want to pivot to an issue that really impacts all other policy areas, impacts transportation, water, public health, you name it. And that is the issue that you mentioned previously that you're intimately aware of housing, specifically affordable housing. Can you talk about that, please? Yes, absolutely. I mean, this 
issue is something we've struggled with in my own community and then have developed policies to lead the region as a result because we have seen for a long time now, again, long before people started identifying it as a time of crisis, that affordable housing options are scarce and need to both be built and protected in our communities. And so, as I mentioned, I'm a renter, so this is something I'm uniquely passionate about and I would be a unique voice in that way on the board. But we do need to have construction of all types of housing in order to meet the demands that we're seeing throughout the region. And the focus on affordable housing um, obviously comes from many of the economic challenges that people are facing, but also because of the uh, great homelessness crisis that we're facing and making sure that there's housing options with wraparound services um, and support that people need is essential to getting them successfully off the streets into care and hopefully able to then move back into a life where they can take care of themselves. And I have experience doing this, which again, sets me apart in this race. We've developed policies at the local level that provide for a requirement of inclusionary uh, housing that is affordable for moderate, low, and very low-income people. This isn't, as I understand it in the city of Los Angeles, this isn't a negotiation between the city or the city council members and a developer. This is by law. And so we are, with every housing development, getting investment in new permanently affordable housing units in our community, whether they are built directly into the projects themselves or we're getting funding that goes into an affordable housing trust fund where we have been able to build or purchase buildings that are now 100% affordable um, in our communities. These are projects that allow us to have a diverse population in terms of uh, economics and, and provide a diverse range of housing solutions in our community. And you know these kinds of policies are something that I can work with our local communities on, something that I'm able to work with local governments who, of course, retain uh, local land use authority. The unincorporated areas will come to my jurisdiction as, as a supervisor, and I will you know move accordingly. But working with local governments to make sure that policies are implemented to create housing options that we need in all communities um, is something I'm prepared to do and make sure that the county is backing it up with the resources that come from Measure H. Again, another measure that was passed by this board and you know another funding stream. And yet people, um, I would say similar to the criticism you mentioned earlier, people aren't really clear where those dollars have been invested in their own neighborhoods. And so making sure that people are really seeing the measure H dollars that they are, you know, sharing with the county through that tax measure, that they are actually seeing the results in their neighborhoods, I think is going to help people be more willing to extend that ballot measure. And that will be a question that ultimately comes to this board because it will sunset at some point. And so people will mm-hmm. need to see how the county has used those dollars. I know in, in the city of Los Angeles, Uh, Measure Triple H also passed. And so uh, there are projects in the pipeline. Some of them, I understand, have been held up through... litigation, but ultimately, you know, those dollars are being invested in projects that will hopefully also address the housing crisis that we're experiencing. And so I've learned in my work, both with private developers, with nonprofit housing developers, and working in partnership with the private sector, that we can provide a range of housing solutions. I know that we have often heard, you know, very high price tags out there uh, for the cost per unit, but there are some affordable housing developers 
that have been able to get that cost per unit down to even a quarter of a million dollars or less by using different uh, innovative solutions. And so, you know, we really need to be working in partnership with the people who actually develop housing because government doesn't do that exactly. But we can invest in those solutions by working in partnership and providing those housing solutions in our neighborhoods. Well, your fluency on this issue is, is going to be critical to your governance, and we appreciate that thorough response. We appreciate the, the thoughtfulness in which you have come to this discussion with on such critical issues that are not just important to our partners, our members, the listening audience, but really should be important to all LA County citizens. And so uh, finally, Councilwoman, I just want to leave you with a statement that you can react to, which is everything that we have discussed today starts with good union jobs, with good pay and good benefits. Absolutely. Um, As I mentioned earlier, we increased our minimum wage in my city. We now uh, we're on track to have the highest minimum wage in the country. We required benefits and paid leave um, for uh, workers of all types in the city. I authored our city's commitment on a PLA on all public projects and fought during this time of crisis to protect our frontline workers, our hospitality workers, our workers in pharmacies and in grocery stores, you know, everybody uh, we have seen uh, identified and, you know, what now makes people kind of groan when we say these frontline jobs. Um, Have we treated people as heroes as much as we've said so in a lot of uh, public platitudes? For my part, um, I've really made sure that, especially during this time of crisis, that I've led legislation, I've authored legislation to put our money and our community's policy where our mouth is in terms of those promises and those commitments. And I intend to do so as your next supervisor. Well, all right. West Hollywood City Councilwoman Lindsay Horvath, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And that's all for this week's episode. Thank you for listening and make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. Take care.